So UK CPI is not really bad news for a change. Inflation is coming down, but it's very, very slow. Too slow for the Bank of England? Well, probably. Europe published its final update on CPI. Normally there wouldn't be too much interest in that, but it's printed higher than earlier versions, so bond markets have responded to that. And New Zealand inflation is down as well, but is it enough? And what to expect from Aussie employment numbers today? And what does the RBA really want to see? It's Thursday, the 20th of July, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is rising again. It's up 0.4% on the DXY, with the Aussie falling more than half a percent, around 67.7 US cents again. Uh, the pound has fallen three quarters of 1%. Uh, more earlier, uh, the euro down a quarter of a percent. US equities are mixed. The Dow is up 0.3%. So is the S&P and the NASDAQ just sneaking into the green at the last breath. It was uh, down a quarter percent or uh, more earlier in the session. In Europe, well, a big rise in the FTSE 100. It, it was up 1.8% but a 0.2% drop in the euro stocks 50. And bond yields generally pushing lower, including a 13 basis point drop in 10-year gilt yields. Two years are down more than 17 basis points. 10-year treasuries are down four, but yields uh, are kicking a bit higher in Europe, up six for 10-year bonds, for example. But, you know, 2.43% compared to the UK's 4.2%. And oil is down another 0.6% off WTI and 0.3% off Brent, just over 79 a barrel now. Wheat prices are up 9% because of Russia's ban on exports from Ukraine through the Black Sea. Uh, Well, they can't ban them, of course, but they can threaten to torpedo the ships, which is exactly what they are threatening to do. But uh, let's look at that big move on UK bond yields, first of all, with NABs, Tapas, Strickland and Sydney. It's the inflation number, obviously, which was good on the surface. But, you know, the, the core rate has moved down, but it's not moving down too quickly, is it? But it's certainly not fast enough to stop the Bank of England in its tracks, is it? Good morning, Phil. Yes, that UK inflation number did surprise markets quite a lot, and you did see a very pronounced market reaction there. And I think it's on the back of, effectively, this kind of view within markets from global CPIs that inflation may be starting to truly peak in the core sense and may be starting to fall and perhaps fall in quite rapidly. So I think you have to view it in terms of that sense. Uh, and then because it was softer than expected, really markets are reassessing how much higher the Bank of England actually needs to go. And for some people, it's pouring a bit of cold water on the idea that the bank rate needs to go above 6%. But as for the number itself, obviously core came in at 6.9% versus 7.1% expected. Um, and there's some good signs within there, but as you noted, the core inflation is still running at 6.9%, so still relatively elevated. So I think there's still a good chance that the Bank of England raises rates another couple of times here, and that's exactly what markets are pricing at the moment. And if you recall, average weekly earnings, excluding bonuses, is still running incredibly hot in the UK. In the three months to May year on year, they were running at 7.3%, and no way is that consistent with getting inflation back to target. So, yeah, And it's not going to come down in a hurry, is it? Because people are still striking in the UK. And if you look at that 7.9%, the headline rate, which obviously is when you're negotiating your salary, that's the one you're looking at. That's on top of where we were a year ago, which I think was 9.4%. So in two years, that's actually 18% growth. So you'd be going in, wouldn't you? If you hadn't had a pay rise for a couple of years, you'd certainly be looking for a double-digit pay increase. 
I think many people would. And I think that's the reason why markets still expect, even though you had that very pronounced market reaction, why markets still expect the Bank of England to hike rates another couple of times. So you look at market pricing, it's about 50% price for another 50 basis point increase in August. And it was about 70% price prior to the data. But really where the big changes occurred is where markets expect the peak bank rate to be. So the peak bank rate is expected to be around 5.8% by February next year. And uh, that compared to 6% being priced yesterday. So about 20 basis points has come off terminal pricing there. So effectively, market's still pricing in another three to four rate hikes coming from the Bank of England for the rest of this year. But there were some pretty pronounced moves, So, in, particularly in terms of bond yields. So two-year yields down by about 18 basis points, 10-year yields down by around 11 basis points. And importantly for the global bond market, um, that followed the rally that we did see yesterday, which was caused by those more measured comments by the ECB's not. So you've had three or four good days of um, relatively good moves, both in terms of inflation, but also in terms of yields as well. And how much attention is paid to the producer prices in the UK? So the input PPI was down... 2.7% year on year. So that must make a difference going forward. I, it should. Unless we, see, unless we see price gouging going on, of course. But you'd assume that that's not going to And it uh, also depends on how much competitive pressures there are in your economy for um, for mm. uh, final prices to start edging down, um, even though you've got input price cost pressures coming down, as the PPIs do suggest there. And so what about uh, Europe then? Because we've seen a rise in, in European yields, but we saw the the revision normally wouldn't pay too much attention to a final revision on CPI because they normally don't move a great deal. But it, it was actually revised up, wasn't it, from 5.4% in the earlier reads to 5.5%, which is up from 5.3% last time. So it is going the wrong way, in other words. Oh, yeah. So that uh, core inflation measure, the final measure in the Eurozone was revised up. And it's a little bit hard what to read into that. But I think markets are still going to be taking that signal, especially from the US CPI, that the most sticky components of the CPI basket don't look as sticky as feared, and that in coming months, that inflationary pressure should start to ease back. And I guess the risk really here is markets are quite buoyed up on the prospects of inflation coming down relatively rapidly. Uh, The risk is that it doesn't. Um, And so I guess that little rise in yields is probably reflective of that risk as well. So what about New Zealand then? Let's talk about that because inflation there, lots of inflation numbers today. New Zealand inflation is down, but not as much as expected uh, from 6.7% for the headline down to 6%, although it was expected to fall below 6%. So uh, look, New Zealand two-year bond yields up five basis points. But uh, what is the, what, what's happened to the expectation of the path being taken by the RBN, RBNZ? Has that changed any on the back of these numbers? It hasn't changed hugely. And I think the key thing is, although the market had expected a slightly lower print um, than what was printed, the RBNZ had expected a higher print than what was printed. So it's still consistent with the RBNZ's view that um, they're probably done at this level of rates. Um, so we think that's probably still sufficient um, that the uh, that the OCR has reached that peak in the cycle. But with, right. but within the details, it did suggest that that kind of non-tradables inflation, that kind of services range of inflation measures is still relatively sticky. And there wasn't too much improvement on those kind of measures. So it may be that you have to hold rates higher for longer in order to reduce inflationary pressures there. And the risk obviously remains that if they remain sticky, um, that you have to lift rates a little bit higher. Well, let's go ferreting for some evidence of of this soft landing in the US that we keep on talking about, because there's some contrary evidence. So mortgage rates are down. That's a good sign, although, you know, 6.87% for a 30-year mortgage. I mean, why would you? But anyway, some clearly are because mortgage applications are rising. Uh, But we've got quite a fall 
in building permits and 8% drop in housing starts month on month. So maybe a soft landing, but not for the housing construction industry. But then, uh, you know, equities are doing okay, and we're seeing some good earnings results as well. Yeah, those housing numbers out of the US have been extremely volatile. And if you recall, we discussed last month how they rose 21.7% month on month, and yes. how we were saying how that just seems implausible. Indeed, that was revised down to a 15.7% increase in the 8% decline that you referred to um, was what happened this month. So I think we can look at that to say there's just a lot of volatility occurring in the US housing numbers, but it does look like that recovery in new dwelling construction in the US is, is continuing. And that's partly due to people just don't want to transact um, in the existing housing market as much as they used to, um, because obviously rates have risen. And uh, with the 30 year mortgage rate in the US, um, if you do trade and you um, do uh, get a new mortgage and you're facing significantly higher mortgage repayments as well. So that's part of the reason why there's a bit of um, impetus towards the new uh, dwelling construction in in, in the US. Um, In terms of indicators uh, for a soft landing, um, if you look at earnings season, so of all the companies that have reported so far in the S&P 500, 78% have exceeded expectations. So that streak of beats is bolstering some people's views of a case of a soft landing. And one company that I looked at that reported after the close yesterday, um, JB Hunt, which I think is the third largest transport company in in the US. Its shares are up 6% today. Uh, And it said that uh, it saw evidence from customers in June that the destocking has moderated. And so they'll, they'll be looking at whether that evidence starts to come through. And you're talking with Sally yesterday about inventories in the US. And perhaps this is one kind of anecdote that does suggest perhaps that peak of the destocking period is over. Companies have run down inventories and maybe they're looking to restock a little bit as well. But if if uh, if companies are doing well, I mean, there's two reasons why they're doing well. One is because they're selling more stuff, and that is a good sign. We can t- put a tick for that uh, for soft landing. The other one is that they continue to uh, keep their margins higher, and they're doing well because of that, because they feel that they can. And obviously, that brings inflation down slower. So that's a very different story. Uh, in, in, indeed. And that's the fear out of central bank policymakers. Well, markets are taking a lot of heart from lower uh, inflation prints, if you still have uh, relatively resilient de- demand and if you still have wages that are higher than they have been historically being consistent with inflation being at target, then that could feed that inflation narrative going forward still. Right. So I think that high for longer scenario um, is, is still there, even though markets are becoming very much Build up on the prospect of inflation falling relatively well, I guess, quickly. I mean, the indicator showing that people, you know, more stuff is being shipped around would be uh, the evidence of that inventory being restocked would be a good indicator, wouldn't it, for, for how we're really travelling. So perhaps want to keep an eye on there. Let's look at what's happening in, uh, th- in Australia, though, closer to home, uh, the employment numbers. That's the big number today. Last time the numbers for May, the unemployment rate came down to 3.6%. The participation rate didn't move. The number of uh, employed people rose... Uh, you know, a reasonable amount. Uh, this is one of those numbers, isn't it, where we don't want to see it rise too sharply because we don't want to, you know, to, to get the central bank uh, too excited. Um, 
So, yeah, we want sort of like a softly, softly number out of this, don't we? If, if you weren't looking for any more rate hikes, then yes, that's definitely the case. And just to reiterate, last month's survey was very, very strong. It recorded uh, 76,000 jobs in May, and the unemployment rate, as you noted, fell to 3.6%. Um, the survey itself has been incredibly volatile due to Easter and school holiday impacts. And this month, there's actually some unfavorable sample rotation. So the outgoing one-eighth of the sample, so the Labor Force survey is constructed of eight sub samples and one of them gets rotated out each month and, and one gets rotated in. That's The one that's going out has a much higher participation rate and a higher employment to population ratio. So you'd have to say the risk to employment today is probably to the downside. Uh, NAB is expecting employment growth of plus 10,000 and for the unemployment rate to be unchanged at 3.6%. That's broadly what the market consensus is, but the risks are that it is towards the downside. And then you cast your mind back to what the RBA minutes said uh, earlier this week. And uh, one of the reasons for pausing rates uh, in July was around the discussion of risk that if households reign in spending more than what the RPA was thinking, then that would result in the unemployment rate rising too much. And so if you did get uh, a soft, a series of soft labor market reports, then I think that would start to feed through to the RBA's fears. Um, so far, that's definitely not playing out. Uh, the unemployment rate at 3.6% is broadly where it has been since July last year, and uh, it is still at uh, almost 50-year lows, so still a very, very tight labour market. But that is definitely one of the fears the RBA has. And fairly quiet, isn't it? Today we get the jobless claims for the United States, it being Thursday. Uh, the, we uh, get the uh, China's loan prime rate today as well, the trade balance for Japan. Uh, and then uh, we also get existing home sales in the United States and the Philly Fed, which obviously the, the manufacturing index, and that has its own employment component as well, of course. Uh, definitely. And... Uh just as we wrap up the podcast, I think uh, Tesla and uh, Netflix are reporting after the close uh, today. So I think mm. they're going to be quite important, especially just given the big rally we have seen in the tech sector well, yeah. in the US well, over the past uh, couple of months. And I can tell you, actually, because analysts were forecasting revenue of $24.5 billion for Tesla. They came in over $24.9 billion, so quite a bit higher, 47.2% up on a year ago. Not massive moves so far in after-hours trade, though, on that. And Netflix came in with $8.2 billion in revenue, sort of meeting their, their stated aims, their forecasts, and their operating revenue actually came in higher than that forecast, $1.8 billion versus $1.6 billion. Apparently, cracking down on password sharing has helped a lot there. And uh, they're getting rid of their lowest cost ad plan as well. So it's only going to get better from there on here on in. So there we are. Uh, more positive earnings results. Anyway, we'll leave it there for now. Uh, Tapas, we'll catch you again next time. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And that is the morning call for this Thursday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. I'm always here. Back tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Have a great day.